Welcome to Dragon Talk. Yes, we are here today. It is the official D&D podcast. Yes, it is. We're excited. I am it is. Tito. I am Shelly Mazanoble. <laughs> and this that's is a musical episode. Singing and dancing. Just and kidding. Just kidding. Don't turn us off. Don't turn us not, off. Please. We're not going to so do sorry. that. We're not going to. We're just kidding. That was a joke. We're here to talk about Dungeons and Dragons on this uh, Friday here for Dragon Talk. Uh, yeah. We are not streaming live because there's an amazing thing going on the D&D Twitch channel right now. Isn't there, Shelly? Tell us about it, Greg. Sue Perkins, uh, Nish Kumar, as well as a bunch of other people from the United Kingdom oh. are playing Dungeons and Dragons right now in... Uh, all to raise money for Comic Relief UK, which is fantastic. Awesome. That is amazing. I, I love I... hearing about people playing D&D to raise money for charity. Exactly. I think it's awesome. Especially Comic Relief UK. Uh, yeah. They are the same uh, kind of parent charity that runs Red Nose Day here oh, in uh, awesome. the U.S. as well as other places. So. Uh, always great to see them uh, contributing to char- other charities that end up doing great work for children affected by uh, the COVID-19 health crisis right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's especially timely for people to get in and donate to that cause. And, of course, always to see folks you recognize from other pieces of media playing Dungeons & Dragons together is very exciting. Yes, because you never know where you will find other D&D players and fans. Including As evidenced Us Weekly magazine. By my Us Weekly. Imagine my surprise when I was flipping through Us Weekly and there's a picture of Elizabeth Banks, wonderful actress, holding the player's handbook. I know. With, what? It has your name in it, Shelley. It does. I, am I like now like a degree from Elizabeth Banks? Mm-hmm. At least. I mean, I think that's... That's, that's how it works. If you read a book that has the name of someone else in it or on it. I mean, we're basically friends now. <laughs> so send her I, a text. Yeah. Hang on. I'm just going to text my friend Elizabeth Banks. And I'm just going to ask the, maybe us she, wants to like, she wants to like play D&D this weekend. So even I had the page open because I had taken a picture of it and sent it to you guys. And then Quinn walked by and he was like, huh, D&D is in your magazine. And I'm like, yeah. Quinn, it is. And that's yeah, really that's freaking cool. cool, isn't, isn't it? Isn't that cool? Yeah. Yes. That's awesome. So, and in the, the picture, in that spread, there's a picture of, of Joe Maganello next to her. And Ooh. you would think, oh, he's playing D&D too, but actually he was doing a puzzle. And he has the right. world's tiniest dog on his lap. Like the tiniest dog I've ever seen. It's like, he's like the size of like a, a child's gym sock on his lap. It is like a miniature... Uh, Type of breed, right? Like it's like one of the mini teacup breeds of something. Yes, he's got to be a little teacup, and it's adorable. And just because Joe is larger, and he has a <laughs> yeah, right, it looks it looks so much smaller. I know that yep. is adorable. Uh, I think yep. I've seen some Instagram videos of him uh, playing with that dog on its chest, and it looks like a, a an even smaller woodland creature. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's like his familiar. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah, I love good. it. Maybe it is his familiar. Maybe it is. Um, so, but this um, so comic relief, to... oh wait, I just wanted to, wasn't somebody on, is it Sue? That's from the Great British Baking Show? Yes, that's, that's where I recognize her for. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. Come on. It really is. 
D&D fans everywhere you go. Coming out of the woodwork for sure. Okay. Uh, no, it's very cool. Right. Uh, so if you, you have not say? watched, if you have not watched that live uh, by the time you listen to this or watch this, uh, the the uh, VOD of that game will be up, uh, and it's it's pretty awesome. It's got Ed Gamble, Sarah Pasco, uh, Nish Kumar, Sue Perkins, all dungeon mastered by Paul Foxcroft, and uh, it's all meant to raise awareness for donating to Comic Relief. So make it okay. so uh, you okay. can do so through uh, comicrelief.com slash dnd. Which I'm pretty excited about. Wow, I'm they've raised a lot of money so far. Yeah, yes, a lot of generous people out there. I like them. I like them. Uh, speaking of generous people, we are going to speak to an amazingly generous person who uh, uh, has joined the Dungeons and Dragons team. She generously joined our team. Generously, yes, that's right. Very. She's donating her time uh, in exchange <laughs> for her money, in exchange for a paycheck. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and benefits. Uh, but she has uh, been on the team only for a few weeks, uh, but she's been fantastically awesome to work with, and she comes from the D&D community as well as uh, working at Blizzard's uh, Blizzard Games uh, for the Diablo series, and uh, I, I can't wait to talk to her and learn more about her background and, and Me share too. that with, with you all. You know, I, I like when we interview people on our own team, because we work with some really interesting, unique individuals, so for I sure. always think it's cool. But Brandy yeah. is... Uh, Somebody that our community is going to, to get to know as well. So I, I think it's especially important for uh, her to be introduced to them exactly. in this hard-hitting interview that is about to follow. We're going to, as, as uh, she said, I think in some chats earlier, she's like, we're going to grill her with some questions. I'm like, eh, I'm not, we don't really grill mm-hmm. anyone. But, uh, but yeah, we'll less, be grilling up some grilling. deliciousness searing. to eat yeah. later perhaps. The searing? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we'll do some pan searing of her. Yeah. yeah. As soon as we see the tears start coming, that's when we stop. We're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no. Like, we whoa, whoa, whoa. We're, we're, yeah, we I'll, I'll take off the blackened seasoning. I'm sorry that you're crying so much from <laughs> Consuming from raw meats, though, is not good for your health. Especially if you're <laughs> or whatever that warning is. Huh? That sounds like one of the Where? disclaimers from our books. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Gotta make sure we yes, say it. Yes, it would be. Uh, we're also going to talk to Adam Lee about some amazing lore uh, out there for you Ooh, and uh, about Mystic Odysseys of Theros, uh, which is coming for you to check out digitally, digitally on uh, June 6th, 2nd, June 2nd. That's the, that's the date. Not um, far now. That's right. D&D Beyond, Roll20, Fantasy Grounds. You'll be able to access Mystic Odysseys of Theros on June 2nd. Uh, but we, we mentioned this earlier, but want to make sure everyone here listening to Dragon Talk knows the physical books of Mystic Odysseys of Theros, which there are two covers, one of a standard cover and, a, and an alternate cover, um, yep. that's only available through game stores. That is delayed until July 21st. Okay. Um, and that is just due to several of our printers, uh, you know, being shut down uh, and, and not being able to uh, deliver on time. Uh, but interestingly enough, you will be able to check out all that digital uh, content uh, earlier uh, than July 21st. Um, and we're incentivizing a bunch of people to continue to purchase and pre-order Mystic Odysseys of Theros through your local game store if you possibly can. Uh, they do great work at keeping communities 
um, you know, local communities playing together. Uh, it's, it's a great place to get the latest games and find out about what's happening. And many of them are hurting right now due to foot traffic being reduced uh, at the very least and some of which being uh, you know, actually closed uh, during this time. So we would love for you to uh, work with them and uh, purchase Mystic Odysseys of Theros through your local game stores as much as you possibly can. And to help out with that, uh, D&D Beyond, we've uh, struck up a deal with them so that the first 20 fans who buy or pre-order Mystic Odysseys of Theros through your local store will get a unique code uh, for accessing Mystic Odysseys of Theros from D&D Beyond at 50% off. What? I know, right? Plus, you also you also get a physical map when you're able to pick up your book uh, from the uh, game stores on July 21st. You'll get a uh, additional kind of content and maps if you're able to uh, pre-order ahead of time. And I think that's also limited to the first 20 folks who do that. That's very cool. Yeah, I'm glad and to I, see that support. I think if you do that even before it's released on June 2nd, you'll get some extra goodies uh, from D and D Beyond. So uh, really. Making, making things out there uh, ha- possible. And I'm just excited about more people checking out Theros uh, and the gods and goddesses of this classically themed uh, world from our uh, sister property here at Wizards of the Coast, Magic the Gathering. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I've been having really a lot of time, a lot of fun talking to Ari Levich and uh, Adam Lee about their work on the gods and goddesses of Theros because they actually worked on the magic side of things when that plane was first introduced. So uh, oh, they're cool. going to impart that knowledge to uh, the D and D team, and they worked on uh, this book and making it uh, really sing. So there's some player races in there that you can try out uh, that are classically themed, uh, as well as. Um, some other great stuff that you can incorporate, such as uh, you know, creating more of that that hero of like Achilles or or uh, uh, Jason and the Argonauts type of feel uh, of your of your D and D adventures. And uh, you know, we're all looking forward to seeing what is created around that. Yes. yes, I love seeing those worlds collide. It's very fun. Me too. Myths are uh, a big way that people get into fantasy storytelling, so it's nice to see the. The mm-hmm. loop closed there. Yeah. Also, uh, we know we're, we're continuing to try to help people do stay-at-home, play-at-home during this time. Uh, many folks that I know have jumped onto playing D&D through their video conferencing as well as uh, the virtual tabletops that we partner with like Roll20 and Fantasy Grounds. So we've got lots of content spunning up from that on the D&D Twitch channel, including Learning Roll20. Uh, that's hosted by Victoria Rogers and Carlos Luna. Uh, and that's just about getting your first D&D campaign going on Roll20. And the same thing is going on with uh, Fantasy Grounds, uh, in which Brandy Camel, our host, has been talking hey. through how to set up your first Fantasy Grounds uh, campaign. And so oh, those cool. are available as video on demands on our YouTube channel right now, but I think you can check them out when they broadcast live on Tuesdays here on twitch.tv slash D&D. I know I've, I've said it before, but I'm going to say it again. I am very impressed with how quickly partners and our teams and game stores and who everybody has pivoted how they typically would do things or you know typically do business in light of everything going on, and how quickly like like Roll Twenty didn't have that video just tucked away in their library. Like, well, one day everybody's going to be forced to stay home in the entire world and we'll just play it then. Like, they, the content is being created, like, on demand. Like, recognizing 
what the, the fans need and what our community needs. And they're just going out there with it. And I just, I really love that. It's very impressive. Too. Yeah. And I appreciate and it. And it's, it, you know, everybody's got different learning curves. And so I think it's really important to show different ways to get into uh, playing D&D, whether it's, you yeah. know, I mean, you can certainly just play it theater of the mind uh, style or video conferencing very easily, but I like being able to show the tactical backgrounds, uh, you know, in, in a web interface. But I've also heard from people who are, uh, if you can see the, the table behind me, they're mm-hmm. setting up webcams and actually just showing miniatures and moving them as they would, uh, as if they were playing together. Uh, and I think that's really kind of innovative and amazing too. Uh, so yeah. I love how people are approaching uh, solutions around playing together and uh, creating stories with your friends, and that's, that's what we really need right now. That's what we need. Let's do that. Yeah, it's awesome. So uh, check out uh, on the Dungeons Dragons website if you haven't already, dnd.wizards.com slash remote. There are tons of tips and tricks uh, to get you uh, up in playing, and we're also continuing to release uh, free material on there, including adventures and uh, yes. coloring book pages that you can do with your family. Lots of lot, lots of activities. And we actually just bought a printer. So now <gasps> I can also engage in those fun activities. That Had is, to be done with this homeschooling. There's a lot of uh, materials that we weren't taking advantage of. For sure, yeah. We need to take advantage of those mm-hmm. very soon. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that's what's happening in the Dungeons & Dragons world. Uh, anything hopping uh, for you, Shelley, that you wanted to make sure and, and, and let folks know about? Well, you should get ready for Betrayal at Mystery Mansion. Um, yeah. You may remember that that was going to release in May. We changed that release date to July 24th. Just um, wanted to... It just didn't really feel right to release a, a new board game right now. We want to make sure that people are able to get that game um, when it comes out. And um, so we gave it a little bit more time. And um, July is a perfectly wonderful time to learn a new board game, your new favorite board game. Your new favorite board game. Your new favorite board game. So if you love Betrayal at House on the Hill and or Scooby-Doo, get ready because you are going to love this game. And it's great for the younger kids, uh, eight and up, and they will have great joy in turning traitor on their parents. <laughs> you think that's what they're going to do? All of them are going to turn traitor. I definitely think that's what they're going to do. In this version, you get to choose who, if you want to be the traitor, because you know there's always somebody who really likes that role, and there's always somebody who really doesn't. Uh-huh. So you're not just going to be randomly chosen. It's kind of it's a group decision. Like who wants to do it this time? And you, and you're not called the traitor. You're called the monster. Ooh, that's different. So obviously, the like, kids are going to want to play that role. It's kind of fun. I know, right? You get to be the yeah the fanciful monsters that always yep. are around every single Scooby Doo episode. That's cool. Yep. Quinn's still a big Scooby fan, so I'm I am excited to get a copy. I don't even have a copy. Zoinks. I mean I had like a first off the line at the office, but it's just there. Just it's alone. just there now. <laughs> well, we gotta go give it a hug. Maybe put it with some other of its friends. I think it I think it is actually out. sitting with friends. So oh, okay. Sitting with the other betrayal games. That's close. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's all uh good news. I'm glad uh that folks will be able to jump into that uh this summer. Yep. And uh, maybe check out Scoob when it comes out. Yeah, I think that comes out next week. We That should be fun. All right, mm. well, let us uh, move on to our uh, segment, and uh, we'll hear from our friends about 
how gods and goddesses must be destroyed. Must they? Must they? Mm-hmm. Hello and welcome to another segment of Lore You Should Know. I'm Greg Tito and today I'm joined by Mr. Adam Lee. Hello. How goes it, sir? It goes swell. Awesome. I am so excited to talk to you uh, on this segment where we jump into little bits of lore about D&D for, for, you know, for knowledge, for to, to know, to have in your, in your hand and hold, but also maybe to use in your game for when, uh, in this case, Mystic Odysseys of Theros comes out. Uh, di- yes. digitally on June 2nd, uh, but you will get the physical copies on July 21st. Uh, but Adam is here to talk about uh, two deities uh, that are detailed in this book, Porphyros and Afara. Yes. Oh. Yeah. They are... Uh, it, it's fun because um, I was a part of the original team that created Theros when back in the magic days. Yeah. So... Um, these gods are near and dear to my heart. In fact, Perforos, um, I modeled after my father. <laughs> no way, really? <laughs> yeah, so I can start with him first. That's um, so yeah. cool. So we've been chatting about, um, you know, in, in magic uh, back in the day. It was like 2012, I think we started working on Theros, and we'd been noodling with it for a while. And I think it got released in 2013 as an actual set. Um, but for traditionally red-aligned um, uh cards had been about you know fireballs and destruction and chaos and we were talking like well isn't there another identity like and one of the things we were chatting about was like what about creativity like what is, what kind of role does creativity play in that color pie right um I'm and, so, yeah, just to just to make sure folks who are listening uh you know the, the magic the gathering is the uh, uh basis of the theros uh plane and so when we're talking about ma- colors it's the, the red mana that comes from mountains that is uh, traditionally what, what, what yeah. I was describing. So and creation, in, creation yeah. was not one that I really thought of. Yeah, an creativity. And it's like the, the chaos of creativity. The, and um, so when we kind of divvied up the first sort of original gods um, in the pantheon, everybody took a, you know, a god or two, and we went off and created these. And so um, the ones I got were, were Perforos and Mogus and uh, Eroas. And, but Perforos, I modeled after my dad because my dad was a creative artist and he was basically Perforos. So what you see in Perforos is what you see in my dad, Aww. is what my dad was. And uh, so it, it was this idea that there's this God who um, is a, basically a creator, um, but also a destroyer. Like he will take his creations and if it doesn't live up to his, his standards, he'll, he'll wipe it out. Um, he kind of is very volatile. He's like one of these artists you hear about that, you know, you know, will paint wild, crazy things that are beautiful and then will paint something and then destroy it and light it on fire. Oh, and explosion. Like a Jackson so, Pollock kind um, of thing. Yeah, totally. Totally. And, uh, so, so Perforos is, is, um, you know, this, this volatile God, um, he has this, this massive hammer that he uses on his forge to create these amazing, beautiful objects that are coveted by gods, you know, and mortals alike. Um, and he, uh, he's, he's one of these that the other gods are kind of, you know, some of the gods are irritated by him. Some of the gods actually admire 
what he does um, because nobody else can create the the objects he can. So you know, like gods like Afara, who um, she is a god uh, of the polis. She is the god of civilization and learning and structured learning. Like she's sort of the scholastic god, the university mm. professor god. Um, she uh, and you know she would see Perforos as being a little too wild, but you know secretly down in there she, because. Afar is like a god that loves art and loves philosophy and science and statues and architecture. They kind of they touch a little bit, but uh, Perfos is way too chaotic for Afar's taste. Mm. So, um, but yeah, uh, Perfos is worshipped by um, one of the interesting, I guess, things about Theros to, to kind of if people don't know about is that the gods are believed into existence by mortals. Um, the, most of the gods don't know this. Um, and, but what it is is that as mortals have dreamed things and looked into the night sky and imagined things, their, their collective belief has created and manifested these gods into the night skies as, as actual characters. Mm. So, so Perforos is, um, is you know is worshipped and admired by creators and warriors, and um, there he has a dedicated group of shamans that live in a uh, a polis called Akros that's sort of based on Sparta, um, and they're called flame speakers, and the flame speakers are these um, these artisans and wild men and women that live in the mountains and they, they worship fire and, and steel and metal and forging and, and, and just generating ideas. But they're also, um, they're kind of, they go into visionary states and they, they, they're shamanic. So they, they're, they're living in between worlds and, uh, but then they have the power to wield fire. Um, that's really cool. So yeah, Perforos will grant people who worship them or worship him, he'll grant them powers and boons. Um, there's a cool thing in the new book that's coming out that um, you kind of have this ability to commune with gods because gods are very real in Theros, unlike in the Forgotten Realms where the gods have kind of retreated from the world and they're sort of way off in the distance and they're not having that much effect on the world. In Theros, gods are intermixed. Mm. You can see the effects of the gods every day. You can look at the night sky and you can see the gods playing in their you know, doing their dramas and acting out their, their story in the, in, in the, the heavens. And it's called Nyx. Um, so, so there's, there is this direct sort of relationship between the two. And so, um, so characters, if you have your, your, your character and you say, Oh, I want my, you know, my barbarian to be a worshiper of Perforos, um, they can be sort of this artistic, you know, craftsperson, And that also, um, you know, has has contact and and there's a neat chapter there that kind of defines and shows you how your character can benefit from worshiping Perforos and the things you do that can gain you points. Um, you get these um, like piety points that that sort of if you get enough of them, then you can get a boon. Um, and also the con the converse of that is if you if you displease Perforos, then it will subtract from your points and then you're kind of out of favor with them. That's so, uh, I, mean, then, I love how everything I'm hearing about this book uh, uh, is so interesting because it like feels like it's combining some of the ideas of uh, the deities and demigods book from uh, mm -hmm. from old school D and D as well as kind of the second edition idea of how deities were 
you know, created by numbers of followers and, and, and things like that. And they could go up and down in power based on uh, uh, how many numbers of followers they have. And it sounds like that's encapsulated in this plane uh, even more so in that, you know, these, these deities exist because a certain number of people believed that, uh, you know, that this persona of Perforos was granting them this creativity or these yeah. boons. And they just, you know, this Ouroboros of stuff that all of a sudden yeah. became like, oh, now there is this this actual entity that you are... Is is a real thing and it has its own, you know, wants and needs. Yeah, yeah. There's this fun sort of chicken and egg thing with uh, with Theros, just metaphysically that that you know which came first? Did the gods sort of manifest first, or did the humans, you know, through their belief, manifest the gods? And so there is this sort of kind of pantheon that happens that you know they're in the ancient ancient days before even humans or where humans were just sort of you know squabbling around Mm -hmm. there were these creatures called the titans and uh they show up in a later magic set way after the first theros that we did a long time ago um and the titans were these just primordial beings that were just raw they were they either represented death or fire destruction or they represented you know the, the wrath or something and there were these primal emotions and then at some point these other gods emerged, and one of the gods that we're going to talk about soon is Crufix. But um, so there is this sort of hierarchy of gods that emerged, and mm. the the next generation of gods took out the Titans, and then those generation of gods from them catalyzed these other gods. Um, and so there's like four generations of gods as they happen, and then it winds up with the final sort of pantheon. Okay, so um, Perforos, where, where where did where does he? Exist on so the timeline. He kind of comes in at like a um, a third generation of gods. So you have the Titans, and then you have the, the second generation, which is like Crufix and this other god that just got invented, Clothis. Um, and then the the next gener the third generation is sort of like your main um, five gods, which are Heliod, Perforos, Erebos, Nylea, and um, Thassa. And those gods then from there, um, then human beings, it's almost, it's kind of like the way I imagined it when we were coming up with it was like, it's the awakening of human sort of intelligence from Mm. sort of like, if you think of like 2001 space odyssey, where they're just like pointing at the thing, you know, it's like, there are these, those are the, that's the consciousness that created the Titans. It's just primal emotions like fear and destruction and fire and darkness and and wrath and all that. Then as human beings kind of come up to the next level, there there comes into being like Crufix and Clothis, which are like Crufix is sort of this mystery, like what's up beyond the horizon. So Crufix is kind of the god of the horizon. So like what's beyond there? And so that's a very old Greek sort of myth is like sail as far as you can get to the horizon. And then once you get past that point, then, then you see another horizon. Well, what's beyond that? It's this big mystery. Mm. And so it's kind of as human consciousness kind of evolved, they started to create these more and more sort of complex gods or, or maybe more and more humanly relatable gods. So the first gods are very primal emotions, but then they start to go into the intellect. And then, you know, the last generation, the fourth generation, you, you get like, you know, 
Afara, like the the creator oh, of the God. civilization. You get Karametra, who's like farming and agriculture. Oh, that's so, interesting. Okay, cool. It's kind of a fun little thing. Yeah, yeah. no, I love that. I mean, it echoes the you know the stories of Greek myths and stuff too, with mm-hmm. with, with Titans and and Kronos and Zeus and and, and yeah, all that kind yeah. of stuff too. So I think. It's uh, it's uh, it's it's brilliant. Um, so and, and you know in that vein, Perforo sounds like he's got some qualities of uh, Hephaestus, yes, uh, as well as um, you know I guess that kind of trickery mm-hmm. or, or you know chaos. How how else would you like a like a Hermes type thing? Yeah, he's more yeah he's more Hephaestus. He's more um, uh, yeah I'd say yeah long lines of Hephaestus when you know first kind of came up with that i think we all kind of agreed that like yeah you know these main greek guys like zeus and apollo athena all these ones hermes those were going to be the ones that we were going to um sort of emulate or or, or use be inspired as by yeah. yeah inspired by it so but yeah yeah perforos is, is is kind of like a creator destroyer god um but less along the lines of like a shiva or a kali and more along the lines of like a um, I don't know, I guess, uh, a God of art, a God of, and the passion of art, like mm. the, what the passion that drives creative, that creative impulse to do something and the creative impulse to be excellent. And if it doesn't meet excellence, then it's, it's gone. It's, you know, I'm not, I'm not into that. I'm not going to go to the next thing. So a lot of the, a lot of followers are perforos. If your character is going to kind of take on perforos as a, as a God, um, they're going to be constantly on the move, constantly looking for the next thing, constantly looking for improvement. And they could be very frustrated with like the way things are and against sort of the status quo. And they might walk into a city and be like, look at all this stuff. You can, you can just tear it down and build something better. You know, like um, they're, they're, you know, hard to please, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, 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 anybody who's created anything has that impulse, I think, where they're like, ah, this is crap. <laughs> you know, crumple it up yeah. and throw it away. And then you're like, but wait, you just spent, you know, hours, yeah. days, months creating that. Why would you do that? And they're like, ah, I can yeah. do better. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I totally get that feeling. And it's, it is right, <laughs> right to be uh, emotionally, you know, embodied in a, in a, in a God. I feel like that's, uh, really kind of fascinating. Uh, so, what do, what do followers of of Perforus? You mentioned the 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 fire shaman, but are there others? Like, what what would be a more common follower? How would they? Yeah, go about they could their be, lives. Um, yeah, warriors. Um, you know, any kind of fighter could follow um, Perforus. Um, clerics, um, for sure, sorcerers, um, wizards. Eh, I think wizards are. It would be a stretch to figure, but I'm sure you could figure it out. Like why, how a wizard would want to, um, you know, follow Perforos. I'm surely like evokers would would get into Perforos for being able to just evoke this raw energy and this raw power of of, of the weave. Fireballs, um, yeah, fireballs. fireballs, totally just lobbing those things. Um, and, are there uh, are there temples or are they like, you know, how how do they be congregate to worship uh, Perforos? Yeah, when. You know, Certainly, um, if you go to Akros, you'll find temples dedicated to Perforos, and usually they're blacksmiths, you know, smithies. Mm. Um, so you could, you'll see them, you know, like a big blacksmith, and it's it's all you know decorated with statues of Perforos that are all beautifully made. Like you're going to see some of the greatest arts and crafts and weapons and armor. Like if you wanted awesome armor, you would seek out a a blacksmith who's dedicated their life to Perforos, um, because you know you're going to get excellent work. 
Um, so, cool. and Akros would be the place to go um, because it's sort of the 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 place that's sort of dedicated to what Perforo stands for, which is like it's it's hardy, it's in the mountains, it's an austere way of living. Um, there's no messing around. <laughs> they're tough. They're you know they're warrior. They're a warrior class. They're a warrior culture. Um, and they, they pull their power from the mountains and the raw fire underneath the volcanoes. And they love that kind of stuff. There was, there's a, a myth in the book, um, that talks about Perforos, you know, all the gods were like, yeah, what do you do? Perforos, big deal. You know, like <laughs> the humans kind of lost their sort of respect for him. So what Perforos did was he, he calmed and he cooled down the core of the world and plunged it into this, like this this winter, this terrible winter. And everybody's like freezing, you know, the, their, their tails off and they're, and they're just like, Oh my gosh, like, yes, bring us, bring back the warmth and the fire, you know? And he's like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do that. And, and that's uh, what I do. So yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the, 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 the thing that is heating the earth, the thing that brings the earth life, um, is perforos is that molten core and the that same fire thing of creativity. Yep. Exactly. The thing that fires us up in the morning, the thing that gets us inspired with passion to do the work, do the hard stuff, that's Perforos. So nice. if, if your character has that, if you want that sort of ethos to your character, Perforos is the dude. That's great. <laughs> awesome. Well, and you mentioned uh, Afara uh, a couple yeah. of times, and, and she is the goddess of uh, civilization, I guess yeah, you could say? The- yeah, in, in this world, it's the, the polis, which is the, the city, everything like the Acropolis and the, you know, the Necropolis or all that stuff, all the polis words, that's her thing. And um, Afara kind of comes into play in the history of Theros that there was this tyrant called Agnomachos, and he was a, uh, an archon. And archons are a certain kind of, of creature in magic, the gathering. Um, and we've ported it over in the, in the D&D book. And the Archons were the, like these super powerful beings that they lived in this sort of ancient world um, called Thrax, which was north of Theros. And there was an age called the Age of Thrax. And that's when the Archons ruled everything. They just had their, mm. their hand on everything. They, they enslaved all the races of Theros, the Leonin and the satyrs and centaurs and humans and, and tritons and everybody. And they ran the show and they, they were terrible. Uh, and at some point, uh, you know, the Leonin, you know, helped to overthrow this Agnomachos. And Afara played the critical role in that um, because she started to inspire the people with this idea of civic justice, this idea that you could live in a society that was um, equality. I mean, it is, she's very, you know, so... Uh, so anyway, Afara helps them overthrow Agnomachos, destroy the Archon's empire, and builds their um, builds Miletus, which is the polis of polis, over the top of Agnomachos's old um, capital. Mm. And from there, then she starts her um, her sort of uh, I don't I guess it would be her sacred duty as a god. Um, to bring civilization to people, um, and there are different polis. Uh, the you know the plural of polis. I guess when we we learned, we're like, what's the plural of polis? Is it polises? It's act, it's polis, I guess. So like octopuses. Yeah, octopus, octopi, octopodus, <laughs> cacti. Yeah. yeah. So so anyway, um, so she's the one who who from her 
other other gods created their sort of center of their civilization or the center of their worship. So Nylea and, and her sort of forested kingdom Hesitessa, which is this, this um, you know, centaurs and hunters and, you know, uh, druids and those kinds of people live in that, in that polis. Um, and then there's Akros way up in the mountains that is run by Perforos and, and his group. But they all kind of derive from Afara. They all have to tip their cap to Afara because she's the one who kind of showed people how to live together, how to build these cities, and mm. and how to educate people on a mass scale, um, creating standards and um, creating ways of um, you know organizing and and also laws. Um, and for the magic, the gathering buffs, you know, Afar is the same colors as Azorius, which in Ravnica are the is the you know sort of the the guild master of laws and creating laws. So Afar is also the legal, um, she's like the lawbringer, um, for, for Theros. And, um, in fact, one of her, I wrote a, uh, in fact, I can put it in the chat. Let's see. I think I've got the link here. Um, I wrote an article about Paris Sophia, who is Afara's sort of top, uh, in the, in the, in the story world of, of Theros. She's one of the Afara's top sort of, uh, worshipers. And let's see if I can. Do I have uh, chat abilities? Uh, I think well, I do. No, that's okay. I'll check it out another All time. Right. But the uh, but yeah. that's really fascinating. It almost feels like uh, the you know, kind of the Greek ideals of democracy and civilization yeah. are mm-hmm. embodied in in Afara, right? Like, that, is that kind yeah. of what it is? Where like it's 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 the first time you know organizations of of city states became the norm instead of roaming bands of, of warlords and that type of thing. Is that, is that? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. She's, she's the, she's the basically the embodiment of, of the democratic sort of movement. And, uh, you know, she's also the God of like architecture and, mm. um, like, uh, Pythagoras would have been, uh, a worshiper of Afara, uh, because, you know, Pythagoras had this idea that, you built certain kinds of buildings for certain kinds of education. So a mathematical building would be built a certain way and a a building for music would have been built a different way. And a a building for the theater would have been built a different way. Um, And, you know, to, and so then that's, that's totally within Afara's uh, wheelhouse because she is, she, you know, the, not only the building of like the city is a sacred place. So, how you build the buildings, how you lay out the streets, how you, you know, the civic engineers, civic engineers are, are completely Afara <laughs> uh, devotees, you know, because they are trying to plan out how to best move people around, how to accommodate, where do you put the parks? How do you make the city beautiful? Um, how do you make it so it's, it, it sounds good in certain, you know, um, you know, there's not noise pollution, like all that stuff is, is what Afara is doing. Um, because she wants to create these areas where people can live in harmony and and, and operate in in this sort of in this in, in find their best life within while living together. Um, whereas somebody like Perforos is like you know can can be a recluse and can be like I don't want anything to do with the city. Or somebody like uh, a worshiper of Nylea would be like find it just awful that. <laughs> like people are clustered together and they wiped out all the trees and they're controlling nature. Like no, mm. nature should be left to go, go crazy. 
Um, oh, that's so fascinating. So I love, I love that, you know, it, it ha- her uh, creation kind of happened during a, a period of strife, uh, I guess. But like, how, how would, I, I yeah, because you, you gave the like quick overview of there was this Archon Empire and then this idea of Afara came, but like, yeah, how, so, yeah, you is did, this this you chicken and egg see, thing we were talking about? Yeah, it's like, did that come from people like believing, wanting to believe that there was some way to live in harmony? That there's yeah. some way that we we can throw off the shackles of tyranny. What would it What would it be like? Um, and that that's the thing I loved about when we kind of came up with Theros as as a creative team over at Magic. You know, there was there was a group of us. And this idea of like, what is the power of the human imagination? Like, do we create our world? Like, mm. and it gets into kind of the questions of like fate and destiny. Like we address that in the D and D book, but to a deeper level, we were having that chat in, uh, in the magic team. And it was like, like, do we have the, like, are, are we just on a roller coaster ride and it's kind of out of our control and we're, we're, you know, the idea that our, the strands of fate are being woven by the fates. Like there are these creatures in, in Greek myth and in Pharaohs, like the fates that are weaving the web, and so, like one of the things I feel is that that we as as in, in in Theros, if you're a regular person, you are bound by fate. You are fated on a line. The fates are weaving your destiny, and you're 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 done. You just you just do your thing, and that's it. As a hero, you kind of rise up out of that. You you wake up out of the bondage of fate, and now you have a have a choice to to claim your destiny. And your destiny is not something that's guaranteed. It's something that that you can strive for, and you can feel it in your guts. You know, you can feel like oh, I've got to do something. Um, I've got this. I've got this thing I want to do. I've got this thing I've aspired to. So you've woken up out of as a hero. You've woken up out of the the bondage of fate, and now you have a chance to to go to your destiny. And I think as you're an adventurer, that's your thing. Is like now I'm going to go claim my destiny. If you're playing in Theros, that should be. I guess I don't think should's the wrong word, but that that could be a thing that you want to play with as a dungeon master is like, what is the destiny of each of your your player characters, and are they going to be able to achieve that destiny? And, yeah. You know. Ah, that's so cool. I, it's fun uh, stuff. Yeah. I know because it like really you know gets at like the nature of philosophy and mm-hmm. storytelling, and and you know why why do we do what we do, and even just what we're talking about here in a in a mythical you know fictional world i'm seeing so many parallels to like you know D in general right yeah, <laughs> like yeah you know hey there's all these <laughs> stories we're doing are we just we're just making them up and they now have a collective reality because they're being said in front of witnesses and yeah. they be and then they happen and i'm like that's a little bit like what you're talking about where it's like the, you know these gods and these ideas uh have have been fated to to be created at this time uh, or did we create that fate by the choices that we made? Yeah, yeah, and like the power of belief. Like if I believe I'm a certain way, right? I've I've locked myself in a prison of belief. And if I if I know if I've, I've if I wake up to that and I see myself like oh, I've believed this all my life, what if I believe something else? What if I believe something different? And then what kind of headset does that put me into? And it's like, can I now? Now have I have I have I change my fate or was that already fated to happen to begin with and these are the things that greek philosophers were just like banging their heads against right but that's i mean as a dungeon master as you were saying it'd be really kind of cool to have 
you know, that kind of awakening moment be dramatized or maybe that's the the thing yeah. that happened with all, you know, three of your players before you started that campaign was like they all were like, hey, they believed X, but now for some reason on this day, they now believe Y. And that's awesome. That's really cool. It made me just think of like that could be a session zero mm-hmm. where you rolled up your characters and the DM just goes, All right, you're a bunch of People just doing your thing in Theros, and then all of a sudden, there is this thing that happens that is caused by the gods or caused by your own sort of, you know, like your call to action, you know. And then at that moment, you you break out of fate, you know, and the fates are like, "What?" Right, and they're a like, "We're not weaving." Off and went and did something, you know, and maybe the fates just kind of acknowledge that and just kind of say, "All right." That's awesome. You know, a hero this, was born. We got this weird kinky string. Let's try yeah. to see how we can get it in here and make it yeah, part of the... And all of a sudden, the string just weaves itself, you know, in a different so way. Cool. And the fates are like, oh, hero just got born. Like, that's great. And then other, you know, same, you know, darker entities are like now paying attention to that thread. Mm. Like maybe Erebos, you know, says that thread might not come to Hades, you know, come to the the underworld. Um, that that thread or or Heliod might see that as a challenge, like you know, because Heliod's is very prideful um, god, you know, and uh, might see that as a challenge to his supremacy, or you know, who knows? Like, however, the DM wants to play with the gods and how they sort of deal with the mortals. Um, it's I love fun. that. I love it. I love it. So, all right, we got we got some. <laughs> Uh, uh, you know, some more details on Perforos and Afara, but then we, we, we went into the setting as a whole and how you can hopefully be so uh, used to, uh, to tell these kind of epic stories. And I'm, I'm, I've, I've been really excited about this different kind of, you know, attitude or flavor about, about a D&D campaign that people will now have uh, the inspiration from this book uh, to, you know, to, to play it in full cloth, you know, from the settings here or just even just use these ideas in your, in your current yeah. campaign. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like anybody who has a love of ancient Greek, you know, myths and ancient Greek philosophy, um, you could throw all that into your story. Um, there's so much great stuff. Like you can play with, you know, uh, the, you know, there's like the three levels of Theros, whereas the underworld, there's Theros, the actual plane, and then there's Nyx, which is another kind of plane. So there's like three planes within the whole setting that is Theros, mm-hmm. and the can you go in between those things, you know, to actually go, can a mortal go into Nyx? Can a mortal go into the underworld and, and return? And that's like, you know, there's, there's a whole thing about that. Um, that's, that I, I love with. That's, there's so many Greek stories of, you know, Persephone yeah. or, or, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Orpheus, yeah. Orpheus. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, know there's some fun stuff to play with, uh, there and, uh, Afara, uh, seems like a really interesting just kind of idea about like human civilization and, and, and growth in that way. And then yeah. having Perforos be this, uh, almost counterpoint to that of this creation, but chaotic creation. Uh, I can't wait to see people take those two gods and, and, uh, hopefully be inspired yeah. by them, but we'll go over more, uh, in, of, the story behind Theros as well as the gods and goddesses therein uh, on, on a future segment. But thank you so much, Adam, for, uh, for, for giving us this taste. Yeah, totally. Anytime. My pleasure. Sweet. <laughs> uh, if people wanted to ask you about uh, whether Perforos actually looks like your father or not, uh, how, could they, <laughs> how could they get in touch with you? I am at Adam of Adventure. And uh, yeah, any, any ideas, uh, things, tips, tricks, uh, lore, history, 
feel free to ask. I'd love, I'm, I'm, I'm on standby. I love that you were, uh, and Ari and, and other folks who were uh, working on this book uh, for D&D were there at the inception uh, when it was created on the Magic the Gathering side. I think that's really cool. So that, yeah. must, be, that must be especially interesting. It, it's, it's really interesting. Yeah, uh, it's a weird thing because um, I was talking with Ari the other day and he was like, you know, people who, they're working on stuff that you created like a long time ago with the Magic team. And I'm like, yeah, there's a, like, we created a thing and now it's become this setting that is kind of now there's been another magic set done by it and stories are being written about it and the characters are taking on lives of their own and they're going off and it's weird it's it's uh it's a strange feeling um but it's cool you know i'm i'm really proud of the work we did back then and that was that was me Doug Byer Jenna Helen Richard Witters Brady Dommermuth um yeah, when we, it was a lot of fun, and uh, there was some really great creative times on the Magic team. Um, we had some great t- chats and philosophical debates, and and um, yeah, and came up with some cool stuff. So, uh, and now it's in a D and D book, which is super great because now I get to sort of work on both sides of the fence. And that was the same thing with the 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 Guildmaster's Guide, um, the Ravnica, the uh, to have been a part of that setting and then now you know doing it in D&D books so I'm looking forward to more D&D books about magic settings because that's just going to be a lot of fun so yeah I know I know and I, and I love that uh, it just becomes this hotbed for more and more creativity right like stuff. it just you know so much good stuff <laughs> different threads of different people's imaginations adding mm-hmm. uh, to uh, to the mix and you know now it's going to be uh, the public the public's hands everybody who yeah. you know picks this up and will be inspired uh, to uh, to to use it and tell stories with their friends I think that's going to be uh, really fascinating. So thank Super you good. to you yeah. and all the team that that put this together. Uh, it's it's one of my favorites as well. Yay! Yay! Cool. Awesome. We'll, we'll be back with a lot more fun uh, segments coming up with a kitty. <laughs> <laughs> a cat. <laughs> cat. A cat rose from the depths. I know so much more about uh, how deities operate now. I feel like I could be one. Do you think you could be one? I mean, I thought you were. Oh, well, that's, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah. I mean, that's why I thought it was weird when you were talking about must be destroyed because it's like, that's weird. That's what I say to my kids whenever I'm like, I'm trying to yell at them, but I don't want to be like yelly dad. I'll be like, you will be destroyed. (laughs) And they, it always gets a laugh out of them, but then you know, eventually they still do whatever I was asking them. Right? To do. I don't. I don't know if that's working. It really doesn't. No, they yeah. just laugh at me and then like throw popcorn at my face. <laughs> like you're not going to destroy me. We're too cute. <laughs> well, that's it. I know. I really have to. You know, I will destroy. You. Destroy you with the shaking of the fist. Well, the fist for sure. We it's just great. say that you have to leave the family. That's what. Oh, exile! When, you know, is, is like, even worse. We exile you. Like if you don't clean up your messes, uh, if you don't do things that you've been asked to do several times, then you're gonna have to leave the family. Wow. Go. Do you do that when they like when they're you know when they're crying about a hurt that's not really a, like a bad hurt? They're just crying about it, and I'm like, all right, guys, well, that's it. We have to amputate. And oh yeah. Like- I usually just and I like that you're saying they, even though I have one kid, because it kind of implies that Bart is. <laughs> you do that with Bart like, too. Yeah. Yes, I do. He has to leave. It's the like, family oh, you stub your toe. Oh, I guess you we're just to gonna leave. have to amputate. I, every time, if he tries to get a little sympathy, I'm like, oh, I guess we can't play Fortnite. You can't play Fortnite without a thumb. 
Well, actually, I'm okay now. <laughs> he has taken to uh, when I come into the room and he'll he like pretends that he's asleep. Oh, because he doesn't want to do schoolwork. Mm. He's just, I'm just I'm just so tired today. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, let me have your phone so you can't play Fortnite. Oh, I mean, oh, I'm, I'm a little, little bit awake. Bit I'm a little bit awake. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, baby. Oh, well, he can play all the games he wants in the summer because that's what's <laughs> happening now. Yes, right. once school is out, it's Fortnite all the time. I can't wait to uh, uh, subject Brandy to all of our uh, stories about our kids. Uh, she's so going to love it. She's, she's, <laughs> she is planning a wedding right now. It's true. And I can't wait to hear about that. And how I am very excited in this, in this climate. So you uh, know that's what all my questions are about. Let's start Tell with me it. about your dress. Let's get her called up, and 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 we'll we'll ask her that point blank. Okay. First question. Hey everybody, let's welcome Brandy Camel to Dragon Talk. Yay, Brandy! Yay. <laughs> uh, thanks, Brandy! Wow, lots so of fans excited. out there. Yes. Did you hear that? That was like yes. deafening. My right? goodness. Oh. <laughs> well, we are very glad to uh, to have you here with us I'm on the team, here. and yeah, yeah. also on Dragon Talk. And as Shelly was saying, we like will you know one day meet in person. It will be uh, wonderful. Eventually, eventually. <laughs> yeah, strange uh, to be starting a new job. I imagine in a, a during a global pandemic. How is yeah. that for you? <laughs> uh, it's been interesting, but honestly, you know, both my former employer and my new employer, you know, Wizards has been really accommodating. Um, and uh, that's been great and really helpful along the way. You know, uh, we got equipment shipped over to me. I'm, I'm actually still currently located in Southern California, so um, I haven't made the move up yet. But uh, but it's allowed me to kind of take my time in getting all of that organized and, and you know, making sure it's safe to, to do that move and that travel, you know. Yeah. Things have calmed a little bit. Gives you plenty of time, I guess, to pack. Yeah, that's been every weekend for the past several weekends because we live in a townhouse, so there's a lot here. Oh, yeah, definitely. That'll do it. But you're also, in addition to planning a life move, you're also planning a life change. Another life move. Yeah, so uh, I'm getting married, um, and I'm... Next week, actually. So. Oh, it's next week? <laughs> yeah, yeah, next Friday. Oh, my I, gosh. I guess when this airs, that'll be tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, wow. Congratulations. So how, I mean, I, I'm going to guess that when you started planning your wedding, you weren't, you were planning on, like, doing it in person? Yes. <laughs> with, yes with guests? Yes. So we, uh, we had to massively <laughs> shift around and change our plans because of everything that's been going on. Um, you know, we had, uh, our original plan was, um, we're very big into microbreweries. So one of the microbreweries oh, here nice. in Southern California actually has a beautiful barrel room, um, that we were going to rent out to, to get married. Oh. In. Um, unfortunately the venue is closed, so that's not an option, but, uh, again, they've actually been super accommodating with us. We were able to get, you know, like full refunds for things and oh, make arrangements. Nice. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's been a lot of shifting around, you know, I still had my dress come in. Uh, I still had, you know, uh, the wedding gifts come in for our, for our wedding party. Um, we, we ordered a, uh, instead of doing a normal reception, uh, book, we we bought a barrel head that has like our date printed, like 
oh, burned cool. into it, which is really cool. So there's a, a lot of different little things that are just us that we've kind of gathered up. And so the exchange for that now, um, the biggest hurdle was trying to get our marriage license mm. Um, mm. because all of the clerk county offices are closed. Uh, and that's true, like multiple states wide. Um, it, we were looking, we're like, OK, can we go to Nevada? Can we just take a day trip and go somewhere? And just everyone was closed. So um, a couple weeks ago, the Orange County clerk. Uh, office, which is where we live, uh, announced that they were able to get ticket booths from the OC fairgrounds and hermetically seal them. So they've been able to take people in to get their marriage licenses in a like safe social distancing way. No mm. way. Yeah. So uh, we went. How bizarre. Yeah. Uh, so, again, this is definitely not how I imagined my wedding panning out. <laughs> um, We've been engaged for two years, and uh, and we are getting married on our tenth anniversary. Oh, so, well, that's cool! Sweet. Wow, um, ten years. And you know, you've been you've been learning how to play uh, uh, Dungeons and Dragons through streaming, uh, yes. but now you're also learning how to do uh, weddings through streaming. Yeah. yeah. So, are you going to stream imagine the wedding? The same, <laughs> right? That's- totally. Yeah, definitely. It's a hundred percent the same. Um, <laughs> <laughs> There's costuming involved in both of them. You need close-ups of magic items like rings that provide power <laughs> to you and your spouse. So um, yeah, we're uh, we're going to stream our wedding uh, so that all of our friends and family can kind of tune in and and watch it. And I'm going to toss that up on my Twitch stream. So I guess the internet is invited. Um, wow! <laughs> oh, super cool. So, um, as a community manager, are you going to be moderating your own chat? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I actually, what's, what's great about being a community manager is that when you are one, uh, you are a community manager who's part of a community of other community managers because we all, you know, we all do the same work. We all share in, you know, both the pains and, and the pleasures of being a community manager. Uh, so I've had several people actually volunteer like, Hey, just give me hammer and I'll just, I'll, you know, give me mod and I'll watch over your wedding for you. You got to keep an eye on grandma. Tone it down. Yep. Final warning, grandma. <laughs> so wait, wait, what? Stop all the lewd have. jokes, grandma. <laughs> this is a wedding. <laughs> you must have like relatives that you know, that are probably not as tech savvy or like have never known what Twitch was or how to live stream anything. Yeah. So how are they? How are they handling this? Like now they're going to be watching a wedding online. Yeah, we're probably also going to like cut it down and put a video up on on Facebook where most of most of them have, you know, a little bit more. Yeah. Thankfully, like one of the byproducts of everything that's going on is that a lot of people have turned to social media. So whether or not they knew how to use stuff beforehand, they've learned very quickly and adapted to help keep in touch with each other. Um, So that's one of the things that we're kind of doing to, you know, make sure everybody gets a chance to to see it and kind of share in that joy. And we wrote like a big, long email and sent it out to our RSVP list of like, here's how Twitch works. Oh, Oh, wow. (laughs) It's been been an interesting process. How are you? I mean, now I'm just in full curiosity mode. Like, how are you doing? Like, the ceremony is it going to be? The like, you know, here's here's the exchanging of vows and all that part, and then are you going to do like speeches and <laughs> toasts and and things like that, or are you just going to kind of make it short and sweet? <laughs> so we are making it short and sweet, but that was originally our plan for our ceremony. Um, you know, neither of us are particularly like hugely faithful faithful people or like faith driven. Uh, we oh. always. <laughs> 
Right, right. Well, no. I thought you meant something different there. Yeah. I know. I was like, wait a second. Uh, I didn't even get that. Ceremony <laughs> <laughs> um, was something we were always planning on it being very short and sweet and quick to begin with. Um, thankfully, we live with our officiant. He's our roommate. Oh, oh. no way. Yeah. So uh, he's officiated like half a dozen other geeky weddings. And so he's working with us to put something together that we're now adapting from being, you know, a five minute quick and and straightforward thing to like a 15 minute, you know, terribly aware that it's now being streamed on Twitch ceremony. Uh, so it'll probably be a very self-aware <laughs> experience. Uh, but fascinating. It's fascinating seeing like what is possible with the technology that we've got yeah. here. And I think, you know, just to bring this a little bit back to to D and D. I mean, I think that's the same thing is happening right now in the in, in the D and D community with people realizing what they have, you know, at their fingertips or or, or how they can do simple ways to level up uh, their AV or or whatever, uh, you know, through the virtual tabletops that are out there and and, and kind of make that happen. But now I want to. I want to see if there's something that you've learned from this kind of ceremony and presentation type thing. I'm like, oh, can we do that in our D&D session somehow now too? Like have... Marry each other. Right? I mean, I know that was that was <laughs> Shelly's favorite part of the uh, Out of the Abyss uh, campaign. Oh, was I loved it. The marriage of... Zuggy's uh, wedding. Uh, Zuggy's wedding, yeah. I was super into that. I kind of feel like this... Like, I mean, obviously there's a lot of of weddings and graduation parties and birthday parties and births in general, things that are, are not happening in the traditional way anymore. I'm but my birth. Um, I just feel like this is ripe for a new reality show on like TLC, like pandemic planning or like how, <laughs> how people like you have to have like, you know, all the drama of like, your internet goes out just before the guests are all coming into the room or so, you know. We can make it work, but one of one yeah. of the nice things about the situation is that so my fiance is an IT manager and yeah. also an audiophile. So when it comes to equipment, like he's done all the research, he knows exactly what we need. He's you know he can help other people who are probably trying to. Both of you could who are trying to plan weddings right now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely <laughs> been interesting. I don't know that I'm, there's my reality show. I don't know that I'm ready to jump into being a wedding planner. For the interweb, but <laughs> uh, but there's definitely a lot of things that we've learned along the way that you know I'm, I might actually just write up a blog post on my personal yeah. blog and share share my findings and the things that I found that worked, what didn't work, you know. It would probably help a lot of people mm-hmm. that maybe aren't handling it as well as you are. <laughs> I think I think it helps that we were kind of taking a very casual approach to our event to begin with. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it was a lot easier to adapt. You know, we, we really wanted it to be a big party and reception as opposed to, you know, focused on the ceremony. So that, yeah, that's for sure. with the adaptation. Well, I'm sure you know this already, but there are a lot of great microbreweries in Seattle, too. So when you finally do move up here, you will you guys will have a plethora of choices. You can only have uh, super bitter IPAs, though. Oh, that's oh. my favorite. It <laughs> might be tough. For not, us. <laughs> not an IPA fan. No, we're definitely. We do like our IPAs. On the, on the like, I'm oh, big period. into brown ales, and and my fiance is big into stouts. So we're mm. darker. You can find some of those. Well, we would invite you to West Seattle to a wonderful place called Beer Junction, but uh, you will never be able to get to West Seattle now because our bridge is out of commission. I've so. heard that too. <laughs> Sorry. 
We didn't pay the toll for the troll. Two and a half years, you can, <laughs> yes, you can come in two and a half years. <laughs> um, so bringing it back to your your new job here at Wizards, yeah. uh, you started in April, right? Yeah, April? April 6th. It's actually been just about yep. four weeks now. So. Oh, right. Congratulations. Um, One month anniversary. Yes. Community manager, and maybe that means different things to different people, or people aren't really sure what that what a community manager does because I, I feel like that role has evolved a lot in the last you know few years. So can you describe what your role is as as part of the D and D team? Sure, and that's actually you know you bring up that not everybody knows what a community manager does and that it's kind of evolved. Honestly, it's different at every company that I yeah. Um, community managers do tend to be a little bit of a jack of all trades and um, fill in different, you know, needs based on either the staffing that you have or the requirements of, you know, the products that you're supporting. But at the end of the day, what a community manager really is, is the liaison between players and the rest of the company. You know, that's that's kind of what your role is, is you are the middleman between people outside the company and people within the company. And that that can mean a lot of things that can mean everything, mm-hmm. from, you know, working on social media and building content plans to help promote the products that you're working on. Or that can be player engagement to make sure people are still engaged and enjoying your product. That can be passing on feedback from players to development so that they, you know, know which ways that you want to go with things. Um, there's a lot of reporting involved, uh, you know, digging into stats and making sure that you can verify the things that are being being said uh, and that aren't just part of a smaller portion of the audience. Um, it's a lot. It's a lot of different things. Uh, mm-hmm. But I really love doing it because it's just, you know, I've always been one of those people who takes an active role in the communities that I'm part of. And, uh, you know, the idea of, oh, cool, I can make this a job is, is just great and, and awesome to me. <laughs> yeah, you have one of those jobs that... Um was not around like 20 years ago. It's like Bart and I like to talk about the, like he, you know, works on the website and he's like, I never could have fathomed this job when I was a child and someone asked me what I wanted to do. So it's just, that always makes me laugh thinking about like the jobs that people do now that, you know, five, 10 years ago, we didn't need them. They weren't, they didn't, they weren't a thing. Yeah. So you have been part of the D and D community though. Before you even started working here, is it difficult when you're uh, a fan of the company or the product that you now represent or um, that you're now a community manager for? Is it hard to find that balance between like, well, I work for the company, but I'm a fan and I want these things too? So I think that it does. Honestly, I think it helps you more than it hurts you because you're able to resonate and understand the people who are speaking to you a lot better if yeah. you're if you're one of them as well. Um, but there are moments where you have to pull back and you have to go, okay, well, I need to look at things from the business side. You know, does this make sense? Are there things I might not be able to say that, you know, are a result of this is why we're making these decisions. What can I say? What can't I say? Um, and where that line is, is like I said, it's, it's different at every company. Um, and it's, it's almost for me, it's a bit of a fun experiment to find out where that line is. Uh, <laughs> but Greg will tell you. I know, right? <laughs> I've, I've got a great team to work with for finding that line. I don't have to search for it too hard. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Yeah, and so you, I mean, you, you've been playing D&D for uh, many, many years, right? When, when did you start? What was your, like, origin story for, for getting into the hobby? Oh, wow. So it's kind of two-part. Um, you know, I, I grew up in a very geeky household because my, my father was in the military and he played a ton of video games. You know, he was um, in the Air Force and he was on kind of the intelligence side. So we always had a computer in the house. Uh, and when I was a very little girl, like, toddler age and he was teaching me to read what he would do is scoop me up put me in his lap and he would play some of the old tsr video games like eye of the beholder and pulls of radiance and things like that and i learned to read by reading the combat logs oh my god you're, nice. you had the strangest vocabulary by the time you oh, got yeah. to kindergarten <laughs> oh man i knew what melee was when i started my first day at school better first. Uh, <laughs> and you didn't pronounce it melee right <laughs> I haven't seen that word come up in my son's vocabulary yet, so. Get him off the Fortnite and onto, know, onto Eye of the Beholder. <laughs> uh, so I had kind of like the burgeoning interest in fantasy and, and things like that very early on. Um, but I didn't really start rolling dice until I got to um, high school kind of junior high high school area and I had a I had a group of friends um I was one of those people who kind of floated in between different groups and I had a group of friends that were very interested in D&D and they were like you know what you really love all this high fantasy stuff you should come play D&D with us and this was I think I don't know around the tail end of third edition uh so that was really the system that I learned to play in was in third edition uh and I went through the 3.5 conversion and I took all my experience from high school into college and and I got really into organized play. So I was very active in the RPGA and I was a living Greyhawk judge for many years. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, so I was I was very, very involved with the community in uh, kind of like late high school, early college, and then into, you know, my move here to California. I played- What area was that? Wasn't, didn't they have like different nations? Yeah, they had different, different regions. So, where, so because, yeah. because where my family lived was different from where I went to school, was different from where I moved. I ended up playing in three different regions. Oh, so I played. That's cool. Most of my gameplay was either in the Vi County of Verbabank, which is uh, Illinois and Indiana, uh, and then I played a lot in the Theocracy of the Pale, which was Nevada and Northern California. And then when I moved here, I I kind of ended the campaign in I think that was Divers was was the final one. I didn't get to play as many games uh, in the in the uh, at the tail end of stuff. Is that's kind of when I got my other jobs settled in here and kind of pulled back from the experience. But that's so cool though. I love hearing all about that, like living Greyhawk world and how it all interacted with each other. And I love, I don't know, it's such a, a cool area. I'm so glad you got to experience it. Yeah, it was, it was a ton of fun. I was very into it. I actually still, uh, we were just do- doing packing uh, in the garage and repackaging stuff into boxes that aren't super beat up. And I found all my old characters. I have them all in boxes. So I was flipping through. I'm like, here's my 15th level sorceress bard sublime cord. Here's my <laughs> here's my 10th level barbarian. Like all my all my old characters and their adventure records and just the history that I have from the those years of playing. Oh my gosh, prestige classes. I know, right? <laughs> I'd forgotten about that. I was like sublime cord. I'm like, oh wait, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> so. What does it mean when to say that you were a judge? 
So when I was a judge, it's kind of, you know, if you're familiar with uh, DCI or Magic the Gathering, they have judges who kind of oversee tournaments and help organize local events. Judges for the RPGA were very much the same thing. In in one regard, they were organizers, but in another regard, they were usually the, uh, you know, the DMs that people would rely on for running games when they first came out, which we we used to call uh, session zeroing or slot zeroing. Um, And that was kind of the... Uh, the spread of a, a new game that came out because if you if you played a game you weren't or if you ran a game you weren't allowed to play it because you already knew what was going to happen. Um, that was one of the old rules from from li- the Living Greyhack era, and um, so there were quite a few games that I never got to play because I ate them to to run them for other people. Um, so that was kind of one of my responsibilities as a judge. Okay. Um, it was ju- it was mostly just like reality TV, right, Shelley, where they just, they were just judging <laughs> yeah. people the whole time. Yeah, like telling people to pack their knives and go when they screwed <laughs> up. <laughs> uh, but I bet that was really good uh, experience for community management. I mean, that, it, it, the judges were that as well, right? Even though it wasn't necessarily part of the the, the job description. Yeah, no, I got a lot of especially convention experience from you know going to a bunch of different conventions, visiting them, learning how they organize things on the back end and how I can help as, you know, as somebody who's contributing to that. Um, we actually ended up building our own convention in uh, Nevada that I helped contribute to and, and build out. I don't know if it still gets run today because uh, I haven't been back in a while, but, um, but that was one that like we hosted it in, in a local game store and it was all just a really great experience for, you know, things that I moved on to do, like help organize BlizzCon. So... <laughs> Oh, wow. That's no small feat. Ooh. <laughs> there was a lot of panel production that I was involved in for, for BlizzCon. Uh, for those that don't know, you know, I came from Blizzard Entertainment, where I spent the last six and a half years being the community manager for Diablo. And, um, you know, doing, doing that work there, especially for BlizzCon, a lot of that came down to helping arrange panels and generating the content that came through that and making sure that we had our, you know, streamers were able to come in and they got some time on stage and making sure they got connected with our developers and could do interviews and all of that, all that stuff is community management. (laughs) Wow. Yes, I can see why it's different for every company, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how cool. did you how did you get that gig? How, how, what was what was the I mean were you, did you use your RPGA stuff on your resume and then you're like oh well because I mean I, it's sounding like it was happening around the time that Blizzard was really growing a lot right yeah. so um, I had actually worked at Blizzard twice so um, when I first started at Blizzard I was a game master I was in customer support and helped. People in World of Warcraft fix their problems and things like that. Uh, nice. You know, I, I did that for about a year, and then there was no... Thanks for answering all my tickets, by the way. That was really <laughs> I helpful. was just thinking. I'm like, I wonder how many people in our company you probably helped. I appreciate you. <laughs> probably a fair amount. I mean, I think, I think during that period of time, I was averaging 30 to 40 tickets per day. Uh, Dang. was is probably a low amount now because their tools have gotten a lot better. But I... I was one of the like upper echelon performers. I was on one of the more higher performance teams there. And That's so cool, though. That like that that like your your job is solving problems <laughs> for people. I mean, I'm sure it's also aggravating as 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 heck. But you know, at least you were like, hey, I I did I solved forty problems today. Yeah, 
Yep. Definitely some, like, there's the kind of like a check mark that goes off at the end of the day. Like, I helped this many people today, and that's always a good feeling. Um, that is a good feeling. After, after doing that, I moved to a support team that was uh, specifically targeted on the forums. So it was the customer support forum team, sort of the same deal, handling issues and handling kind of wider spread issues, getting messaging out that way. And that was kind of my training wheels in community management in terms of mm. – um, you know, learning how to interact with the community on a larger scale instead of a one-on-one nature. Um, and uh, after that, I actually left the company for a short period of time, uh, went over to a different video game company and started their community management department there. And built, wow. Built that from the ground up. And uh, they unfortunately had layoffs <laughs> about a year after I started there. So I then, you know, went back to uh, to see if there were any other openings, and there were. You know, there was an opening available for Diablo, and I applied for it. And that's kind of, you know, I had experience at Blizzard already, and I had community management experience now, and that's kind of what got me in there. That's super cool. But, awesome. And then you were on Diablo for six years, you said? Yeah, about six, six and a half, something like that. Um, I, I started about a week after they announced Reaper of Souls, uh, the expansion mm. for Diablo 3. Um and then kind of saw everything up up through that point. So that's awesome. That's a very different community though from from D and D, right? Uh, there's a lot of crossover. Um, I I think you know what's funny is that I wouldn't have even been ever been introduced to Diablo as a game if it wasn't for D and D. So <laughs> is a, a friend of my or one of my friends in high school. Her mom. Uh, was super big into D&D and was super big into Diablo. And so I, I had gone over to her house to talk D&D and we were building characters in one of the computer games or something like that. I, I hmm. can't quite remember exactly what it is, but she was like, you know, I have a game you might like. And she loaned oh. me the disc for Diablo for Diablo 2. And that was the first time I had ever played nice. Diablo. Um, and so, it was, so funny. it's interesting just how much crossover there is. Um, yeah, yeah. And well, and obviously inspired by many D and D things out there, as as Blizzard's properties are wont to do. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> yeah. uh, I think they even gave some shout outs in their in their uh, was it their 15 year anniversary for World of Warcraft, yeah. where they're you know specifically calling out D and D as being like, yeah, you know, it was it was it was a formation of of many of those worlds and things out there. So uh, it makes sense that uh, there would be crossover, um, and then. When did you start playing Fifth Edition? When I started playing Fifth D&D. Edition, uh, honestly, I I did I know I picked up the books when next when it was still called D and D Next. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I had them in the house and and uh, and was looking at them, and I had played a little bit of Fourth Edition as well. Um, and I think we just had never really gotten into it. You know, it was uh, we had a bunch of people who were still very much like, no, I'm going to play 3.5 forever. Uh, so that was my community around here was very, you know. Uh, very old school and kind Sheila, of. You don't you don't know anything about that, do you? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, not at all. That's the only person that was here during that time. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I had a group of friends that was very focused on that, and um, but I also had a fair mix of people actually from Blizzard that were very into Fifth Edition and very interested in Fifth Edition, uh, and so I kind of played a pickup game here or there, like one-off little games, started kind of exploring with it. And, um, I, you know, I hadn't really gotten into a full campaign for 5th edition yet until mm-hmm. starting here where, uh, as, you know, kind of getting to know my coworkers, one of, one of the folks on the community team here invited me to a D&D game to said, hey, 
I've cultivated this D&D game. You should come and play with us. You know, start getting to know your coworkers through this because, you know, you're you're still stuck in California. You don't you're not going to get a lot of opportunities to, to interact. So, yeah. No, really? That was the first. That was the the, the first regular campaign that you you were playing in. That's the first regular fifth edition campaign I've been in. Like I, I played a ton of different one shots. There were a few campaigns that like we played one or two sessions of, and then the group fell apart as they are wont to do. Um, mm-hmm. But this is the one that stuck so far. You know, we play once a week, and uh, that's got to be a great way to get to know uh, <laughs> team members, right? I was thinking like it's actually regardless of where you work. Or what you do. Oh, yeah. D&D is an excellent way to learn about people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I feel like it's the ultimate team building tool. <laughs> it really is. Yes. And you can definitely see those standouts on the team that you're like, no, no, no. <laughs> you are never going to give me credit for something or let me talk in a meeting. <laughs> You mentioned it being a team building. It's very different from when uh, I, the first year or so I was here, I played deep diplomacy with oh. Shelly and a couple of other people. And I'm like, no, this is, this is a team shattering experience. A, that is just not, a, don't do that. <laughs> Please don't do that. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, I yeah. Think you, still, I, you still have a grudge against uh, uh, some members of the team, Ben Petrosor. I sure do. <laughs> Yeah, I just, I trusted him. I just still am so mad at him. I trusted him twice. like two times. I know. <laughs> it was like, he screwed me over the first time. And then the second time he was like, oh no, I'm totally serious. I am sincere. I'm like, okay, I will give you the keys to Russia. And I trust that you will not do anything bad here. So dumb. So mad. But yeah, I mean, we even went into that game with like, we know people like fight and fall out playing this. We're not going to do that. We're not going to take it that seriously. Uh, oh. <laughs> mistakes were made. <laughs> many, many mistakes the, were made. The opposite because you're work, you have all these different, you know, backgrounds and classes and skill sets and they're all trying to figure out ways to work together to solve problems. And I'm like, that's every work group. That's every dynamic of, of people uh, solving and, and doing projects together. And uh, so, yeah, I, that's why I think D&D as a team building thing is awesome. Mm-hmm. I, think, I agree. I think actually in, in high school, uh, in my like voice and speech class, you know, everybody usually has a class that's, hey, go learn to do public speaking at some point uh, of their lives. And that was one of mine. I had to give a persuasive speech. And so I wrote my persuasive speech on why everyone should play D&D. Are you serious? Yeah. Do you still have that? I don't I think read that. I do, unfortunately. I, like, um, it was, I mean, it was on a hard drive that at this point would be, I'm not going to say how old it would be because that's very telling of me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it would be very old at this point. Um, and uh, Got to find it. We got to find it and, and make you uh, uh, deliver this speech uh, verbatim. Yes. I'd love to. It was it was interesting because at the time I lived I lived in a fairly conservative state, right? I lived in Indiana, uh, and um, you know D and D is one of those things where surprisingly it's actually very popular there. Uh, I mean that's where Gen Con takes place now, right? You know, yeah. Gen Con's in the heart of Indianapolis, and um, it, what kind of surprise? You know, I went into it going, oh, I'm not really going to be able to. Okay, I guess I'm not really going to convince anybody, but um, I went into it. Uh, Asked at the beginning, you know, how many of you have ever heard of D&D or would be interested in playing D&D? And I think maybe like one or two out of the 35 person class raised their hands and gave my speech. Then at the end of the class, 
uh, where a lot of my speech was, you know, hey, this is about team building. Hey, this is about creating stories together. This is about exploring worlds you wouldn't get to explore otherwise, being somebody else for a while. Um, at the end of it, I said, okay, so now that I've explained what it is, how many of you guys would sit down and play a session of D&D? And everyone raised their hands. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, like my heart was being like, oh God, I hope this story turns out good. <laughs> and it was just, it was one of those things where I'm like, oh, this went over way better than I expected. I hope you got an A on I that. I did. I got an A plus on that one. So <laughs> You were nice. very That's persuasive. Awesome. It reminds that me of uh, uh, the the boy, the middle school. That's what I was uh, thinking. Person Ethan that you Holt. and Kate interviewed, yeah, yeah. yeah he did his. Uh, he, it was he did a presentation, just like learning about something, and he did his about D anD D, and it, it was very well received, very successful. Um, and I think like he's now like running this like big D anD D club at his middle school, and he's. He's. I, I asked him too. We were like, I hope you got an A on this, and he was like, Well, I think he. I don't know if the grade had come in or he got like a B or I don't know something, but because he didn't, it was something silly. And Kate and I were like, Does your teacher know that you're now being interviewed on the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast? Because <laughs> we kind of feel like that should help your grade a little, right? Yeah. I don't know. It's just, you need us to write a note because we'll write a note. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we can do that for you too, Randy, was, but... if you want. Oh, yeah. you know, I, know yes. already, I know you already got an A plus, but if you need extra credit or anything like that. Yeah. You know. Back to my, my high school teacher. Well, what happened? Like, did any of this? those kids, did you end up playing D&D with any of those kids that raised their hands? Uh, or were you just like, see I suckers? I ended up <laughs> playing with any of those kids. Um, I hope they went on to Play some D and D. They might, yeah, find yeah. It to play with. Maybe they're listening right now, and they're like, "We remember Randy, and now we're <laughs> lifelong fans because of your speech." That'd yep. be amazing. <laughs> you probably did change. Well, you did change a lot of minds. So, who knows? Who knows where those people are now? It is funny how you know. Uh, you mentioned how you came from a conservative state and things like that, and there was this before times period where uh, there were people in my high school who were playing Dungeons and Dragons. I just didn't know. You know like, I didn't even, and I would have loved to well, have played with them. They weren't overt about it, I'm they sure. They weren't overt. I mean, there were some who were, who I can be like, oh, okay, we can work. I mean, I played magic cards and stuff with them and, and uh, you know, never never quite made the leap into, into playing D&D with them. But, um, you know, it's so funny because I'm seeing people, you know, in my uh, kind of social media now who are like, oh, I wish we had known that you would play it or I would have wanted to play it. And I'm so great that you have this, you know, uh, you know this podcast where you can talk about D&D and, and it's, it's brought people out of the woodwork uh, to really, you know, uh, say it. And I'm so glad that and even now in this time when we're all being, you know, separate and alone that, you know, we can still continue to get together and find these connections um, even more so now. I mean, it's such a great testament to how technology and communication has improved yeah. uh, over, over the decades. Yeah, no, it's, it's, and it's been a really great experience for keeping people kind of in touch, especially like, you know, I'm, I'm about to make a huge life move. I'm moving from Southern California to, to Washington and I have three or four groups that I play with here. Um, and we're all just like digging into tools right now going, how can we keep our campaigns going? How can we keep playing oh. together? Uh, and so it's, you know, it's, one of the reasons that I'm I'm super happy I'm doing the Fantasy Ground show. I'm really excited about that. It's a tool I'll be able to learn and and honestly utilize to keep my groups together. And uh, and that's just a really great experience, you know. Even yeah, how's that been uh, been going with uh, with Jen Page and Doug Davison doing 
Learning Fantasy Grounds. That's been fantastic. I'm I'm struggling a little bit, but but a lot of that's like, I've never DM'd on stream before. I've never really done any of this like in front of other people. So uh, aside from like, you know, smaller groups or in convention settings. So it's, it's been a kind of a new experience for me. I'm starting to get into the rhythm of it now. Um, I'm definitely starting to learn the tool. Fantasy Grounds is a very, very robust tool. It can do a lot. So there's a lot to learn. Um, but it's been great learning that along with the community, right? I, we've, since we're doing it as a live stream format, we have people asking questions in chat going, well, how do you do this? Or how did you do that just now? Um, and it's great to kind of break, break those things down in real time and, uh, helps me learn, helps them learn. And Doug's been a great coach in particular, uh, in helping guide me through some of the more complex, uh, things that fantasy grounds can do. That's super cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm off, I, I'm gl- so glad we're doing that too because there is there's something about watching a tutorial or even just reading a rules manual. I mean, D and D manuals aside, uh, but like reading reading like a thing, you're like, I this language just doesn't feel. I don't I don't it doesn't click. And you know, even like like I said, watching a video can sometimes still feel like I'm not I don't I don't get it or I have a specific question that's not being answered by this 20 minute video and I don't watch all 20 minutes of it. I'm just trying to find the answer to one question. So having it be this. Uh, interactive thing. I'm sure you're actually learning more by by you know, teaching by it and, yeah. and, and and talking through it than than everyone would be. And so uh, I, I don't. Know, I just think that's that's a it's a great way to get people past that first hump of how do I start this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely a kinesthetic learner. I'm the I'm the kind of person who really needs to learn by doing. So this <clears> has <throat> been perfect for that kind of situation. I, I have a really hard time sitting down with just a manual and reading through things, which has been problematic for me with D&D in the past. But um, yeah. I, I... And Ikea furniture. Yes. <laughs> Useless. <laughs> Useless. But I think it's helpful, too, that you're new to it because you're probably... like. When people are are very uh, ex- experts in what it is they're trying to teach, they often forget to teach some of the basic stuff or forget what a new player might question. So seeing you coming at it from that brand new perspective, I'm sure, is super helpful yeah, for the people watching. There's definitely a fair amount of stuff that I do still need to, you know, I still need to be on top of being a good DM. I still need to be very familiar with the content that I'm running so that I know what I'm looking for within the context of Fantasy Grounds. So that's the side that, you know, I'm trying my best uh, to be on top of. Um, but the rest is all very much learning on the go. And um, that yeah. that's very useful for me. And I hope it's useful for other people, too. It also reminds me of the the how to DM segments that you're doing, Shelley. Of like, I, I was you know, just thinking that, like, hmm, Brandy's going to have to be a guest on there because I'd love to to learn more about your transition from in person to learning online tools. Yeah, that'd be great. I'm happy happy to share whatever knowledge I can because you know I, I know people out there are asking these questions and happy to answer them at least yeah. where I can contribute. So, so the three and three to four games that you are are in, in California. Are those all in-person games? Uh, yes, those are all wow. in-person games. And um, a fair amount of it is us swapping as DMs. So okay. there's there's one that I run, there's one that my fiancé runs, there's one that uh, another player at the table runs, um, and then there's a fourth one that our roommate uh, runs on occasion as well. So, Wow. He's the officiant of your of your of your campaign. Is he a cleric? <laughs> the cleric. Oh, yeah. You know, well, in the one he's playing in, he is the healer of the group. So really, 
He's got a tie. When, uh, when we got married, um, the cleric from our D&D group was our officiant. Oh, so awesome. It did. My dad was like, oh, what? Like, he's not a, a priest? He's not a minister? I don't understand this. We're like, he's a cleric, dad. It's fine. <laughs> he's going to smite you if you don't be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that I want to have more clerics uh, be officiates in more weddings. <laughs> I know. I feel like it, it's just, a, it's natural. It is natural. <laughs> Um, I really want to ask you about your brief appearance in a D&D documentary. Oh, yeah. Um, that's that's a fun anecdote. Um, I don't remember what the anniversary was. I'm sure if I backtrack the year, I could figure it out. But uh, for one of the anniversary years for Dungeons & Dragons, there was a camera crew that was going around Gen Con interviewing players and just oh. asking them questions about like, oh, what's your favorite monster? What's your least favorite monster? What's, you know, what's the your favorite character? Tell me about that. And just all these little different anecdotes. And um, I got interviewed at one of the tables I was playing at. And I was at one of the RPGA tables. And um, they came by and they asked me a bunch of stuff. And, and I actually, I found the DVD, by the way. So I have it. <gasps> oh, I was going to oh, nice. say, we have to unearth this footage. Yes. And I know exactly where it is because I just packed it. So. <laughs> <laughs> you make a note on that box. I know. Right on right? there so we can find it. D&D documentary. Yeah. So <laughs> it's this D&D documentary. And, and I, I swear, I'm on there for like all of three seconds. It's just like a quick uh, segment that's like, what's the scariest monster you've ever fought? Or is something something akin to that nature? And I think my answer is the Abolith. Because I had had this harrowing, harrowing adventure in a Forgotten Realms game. Uh, where I was the last man standing against it as a rogue. Oh, no. And everything was bad. Everything was bad. (laughs) Did you survive? Uh, No. (laughs) No. That was... was I was afraid to ask. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. That's cool, though, that you were in the uh, uh, documentary. Yeah. It was uh, it was something that honestly, like I had forgotten entirely about until I unearthed that DVD the other day, and I'm like, oh right, that was a thing. <laughs> oh my gosh, how funny! Cool. I wonder, was it the 30th anniversary? Probably, I think it was the 30th. Because uh, yeah. I, I remember 15 the years ago, Gary Gygax memoriam that year as well. So, mm. um, yeah. <laughs> Awesome. I want to see that. I love that you've, uh, you know, got this history of going to Gen Cons and and uh, uh, being in, involved in the RPGA. Yeah. Um, you know, I think Adventurers League is is uh, or D and D Adventurers League is doing you know amazing great stuff, and I and I can't wait for you know uh, figuring out even more fun ways that we can activate with that community. Yeah, I actually I'm I'm really interested in, in it myself, and you know once once things settle down a little bit, I want to go find an Adventurers League table to go crash once in a while, and we'll see how incognito I can be by then. But. <laughs> Oh. oh yeah! Just wear wear uh, you know all of the D and D hats and and be like oh, I don't know where I got this stuff from. <laughs> and your D and D mug and your D and D pencil. Yeah. Soon people will be like, oh, I saw you on Dragon Talk and in that D and D documentary from two thousand nine. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what's gonna. They'll recognize you from that. <laughs> I'm sure, you haven't changed a bit in fifteen years. <laughs> Not at all. Well, and so are, in your oh, sorry, Greg. Well, I was just going to say, well, we're really excited for you to join yeah. uh, the team remotely. I uh, can't wait to do it in, in person. And uh, all the work you've been doing has been just, you know, super good. <laughs> yep. You helped me. I appreciate you gotta, that. 
You got an A plus from 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 us as well. Yes, and we don't. We are tough graders, so <laughs> we don't we don't give out our A pluses that that easily. And we're really excited about your wedding. I can't wait to tune in and watch. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, that'll be that'll. I, I'm curious to how many people are going to show up. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see what happens. We're not like we're not like actually actively advertising it or things like that. But we're also just like you know, hey, if you want to stop by, come stop by. We're, we can't stop you, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, we're in a new we'll normal. It's going to be really fun uh, to, to, to see how that goes. And I'm, ex- yeah. I'm excited that you guys have done everything that you can to, to make it a special. Uh, uh, it's, I think, you know, having, having that group community kind of feel, uh, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's bringing all Go the figure. pieces of your life together. Yeah. It really, it is. It's very representational. That's definitely the goal. You know, we're we're getting married in our Renaissance fair leathers and we're, you know, we so I know we've got a we've got a cake coming that's a it's supposed to be a barrel head um wow. with a D20 emblazoned on it and actually I Oh my god. Can show these. Um I'm painting our cake oh, yeah. colors. Uh Oh nice. As miniatures. As miniatures. Oh. Oh my that's god. Me. Uh, I don't know how well you guys would be able to see it in the lighting, but uh, it's out of focus. It's, but yeah. yeah, we 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 get we get, get the, kind the, of the gist. The gist. And uh, mm-hmm. I've been posting pictures of these on my social media as well. So, are you holding beer mugs? Is that yeah? What's... So we've got oh, cheers. Our, our cheers, and we have our cats too. So oh, I didn't oh. even see the cats on the bottom. Yeah. Oh, oh my great. gosh, those are That's amazing! Awesome. So, uh, yeah, so we we ordered these, had them three D printed, and I've been I, I did a stream not too long ago where I was painting them on stream, and I need to finish them, but. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's so cool. Well, good. I'm excited for your for the wedding. I'm excited for your move to Seattle and for you to start developing a taste for IPAs. <laughs> It'll happen. <laughs> <about that. laughs> yeah, there's everywhere. I'm always like, is there something that doesn't have you know five million BTUs in it or whatever it's called? <laughs> IBUs, IBUs. IBUs yeah. IPAs yeah. are my favorite. <laughs> They're gross. And the more bitter, the better. Like if I don't like, if I don't like feel hops. In my mouth, I'm like not not enough. I want just more. Eat the hops, just put eat the hops. I would. I would just eat them raw, right up the vine. Yeah. Pretend they're good berries. <laughs> <laughs> they are good berries to me. They are good berries. Well, again, thank you, Brandy, for for uh, uh, coming on. We're again, we're happy, re- and you're going to have a great wedding. Uh, yep. And I think the hardest part is going to be figuring out that you have to call your uh, uh, husband a husband now instead of a fiance. Yeah. That was my hardest part. Uh, so. Get used to that yeah. word salad coming out of your mouth. It's been ten years of calling him boyfriend to his face, so that's going to be a that's going to be an adjustment. <laughs> it's a thing for sure, but you're going to do awesome, and I can't yep. wait. And congratulations to you both. Yeah, um, thank you guys so much. We will we will raise a glass of beer in your honor. <laughs> I'll do it right now. Yeah. <laughs> mm, this IPA. In about five is... minutes, I'm going to raise one for you. <laughs> <laughs> it is Friday after all. Uh, all right. Well, thank you so much, Brandy. You're awesome. We you will are. Thanks, guys. Talk to you again soon. Sure. Anytime. I love Brandy. Me too. So excited she is a part of this team. Me too. I can't wait to see her in person. <laughs> you get to meet her for reals. Uh, yep. Not through this magical scrying disc nope. that we all have in front of us right nope. now. I know. So I'll see her as a real person. It's going to be really great. 
Yeah. Well, she is like a we great know, addition to our team for sure. I know, I know, and she's learning how to play, uh, you know, online even more, just like we are. And uh, I hope all of you are are following her lead in doing so. And uh, again, I just want to make sure everyone knows about the Dungeons and Dragons website, dnd.wizards.com uh, slash remote. In case you want to find out anything about how to play D D during this time you can certainly do that and there's a lot of free resources available for you there there's also something really cool happening on dungeon masters guild right now uh, oh. which i want to make sure you're all aware of which is the play it forward campaign uh meaning that creators who have put up stuff on the dungeon masters guild are getting 100 of their proceeds during this time period to them uh since they have a lot of amazing creative material on there, and many folks are uh, using that supplemental piece of income to make ends meet during this time. So Dungeon yes. Masters Guild was really, really awesome, as well as uh, Dungeons and Dragons to allow this going, not allow, but just you know get encouraged about making this happen. Um, so yeah, there's so much wonderful material available on there, super creative stuff, uh, if you want to try out... Um, something created by the community, now's the time. Jump onto Dungeon Masters Guild or dmsguild.com and find some amazing creative ways to adventures, characters, uh, player options. There's there's tons of stuff on there. Uh, and I highlight some new material uh, every week on D&D News and I'm always impressed more and more with what is on there. I've downloaded a bunch myself and uh, try to incorporate it in, in uh, my games and you should do the same. And if you do it during this period, well, that creator gets all of that revenue into their pockets is, is, is for foods. 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 Which is kind of important. Rations. All right. Uh, follow me on Twitter. I'm at Greg Tito. Shelly's at Shelly Moo. Yep. Yep. We're also on Instagrams. Uh, I'm Greg underscore Tito. Shelly Moo uh, there too. Shelly Moo there. Uh, yep. The Dungeons and Dragons Instagram is blowing up like crazy. I know. Uh, and uh, one of the most recently really strong posts was from Mr. Joe Manganello, who is raising money for the Make a Wish Foundation uh, for you to play Dungeons and Dragons with him. Uh, when all of this travel is safe and everyone can be in the office, you get a tour of what it's like in the D and D office and get to play D and D with. Joe, uh, have a catered lunch as well. Uh, but there's lots of really funny and interesting uh, anecdotes in the video that uh, he made to promote this. Uh, makes me laugh at least at least four times, if not more. Uh, so check that out if you haven't, and maybe uh, donate towards that great cause uh, for one person to be able to play, you know, D and D with him at our offices. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it's I'll really good that. stuff. Um, yes. Are we eligible to win that? <laughs> Uh, yes, you are. <laughs> but not me. I can't. I at least want in on that catered lunch. I know, right? Well, we'll, we'll probably will get like that. That's for sure. Okay, cool. Um, so that's that's a really great promotion. Uh, and uh, we love everything that, that Joe does with Death Saves and uh, the uh, spreading of the word of D&D out there. He was in Variety very recently. I don't know if you saw that. I don't know if I did. Yeah. He and his D&D uh, &D? group, yeah, his, his, his oh, secret D&D &D group uh, that is, not, has so a, secret. not so secret anymore. They've been outed. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's been outed. Uh, it, that was mentioned in a, in, a, in a TV show. I don't know if you know. Uh, I think it was on Netflix. It was like the... Um, uh, oh, yes. Me? I, was it me? You. 
You. Called you. You. Yes. I think I, 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 watched, I watched that show. And I saw that line and I almost fell off the treadmill. I'm like, what? What? Yes. You have a yeah. treadmill? Oh, this is back in the day when we used to go to the gyms. Remember oh, that? Remember those, the before now times? Now all I have are my two feet on a sidewalk. I know. I walked down to the beach yesterday and I'm exhausted from it. Really? Yeah. Did yeah. you see lots of people on the beach and shake your head like, what are you people doing? Well, I mean, I was one of them, so I guess I was kind of like, eh, You were okay. alone. But, you know, we, we stayed in our own little like you know unit there together. It's hard to resist because it's so beautiful down there. I know, I know. Although the Northeast is getting... Uh, a snowstorm. I heard about that. Crazy. That's really happening? That's really happening. I mean, at Apparently least they don't have to worry right about now. school getting canceled. Cause. And we got <laughs> uh, 80 degrees but, here yeah. in Seattle while they're getting that. That doesn't make I much know. sense. I know. No. Crazy. Crazy. Well, we uh, are going to sign off here by continuing the story of Drunky uh, Two-Shoes. I'm not really excited about how this is going for Drunky. So, uh, Drunky uh, encountered a figure and ended up having the face of her lost litter mate, Daryl Two Shoes. You tried to intimidate uh, this person, uh, tried to find out where uh, Drunky is, but your intimidation roll, I believe, was a four. So, yeah, not, not so great. intimidating. And then you heard a snarl with the face of your litter mate with all the, the whiskers and markings that you remember and say, You'll never find out. What do you do? Well, if I can't intimidate, I am just going to, Drunky's like, just going to go crazy. Like, do that, that cat kick thing. Like, kind of like when they just like scratch you with their back paws and just, she's, she's just going to go at them oh, violently so and physically. Roll. Uh, you got a 10. What do, you, what do you think is your bonus to your attack roll? With my claws? Probably a yeah. four. Yeah. All right. So, uh, so you hit. Oh. All of a sudden, yeah. you start attacking your, your litter mate, uh, and uh, you deal uh, seven damage, uh, so not, not too bad. Uh, and he, uh, or at least the figure, is about to retaliate. And what's really interesting is that you, as litter mates, you definitely played and had right. uh, you know, uh, altercations, whether they were, you know, we weren't really trying to hurt each other. Uh, yeah. But something is very different about the way uh, that uh, this figure with the face of your brother reacts. It's not the way that you remember fighting. In fact, it doesn't even feel like uh, someone who is comfortable being a tabaxi. Okay. So you deal damage, and it's about to uh, retaliate, um, but uh, you get that sense. You're like, hmm, this is, doesn't feel like how I remember Daryl two fighting. It's not acting fighting. graceful and agile like a kitty? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. And we will that. end our dragon talk. Oh, no.